I feel like e-commerce and DTC is very personal for lots and lots of entrepreneurs because this is their dream and this is their, you know, this is, this is what they're about. This is, they built this with their own bare hands. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Shellard from Ad Advance, and today I'm really excited. We're getting to have a current client on who has an awesome story, and Dave, I could probably go into your story, but I'm sure you could tell it a lot better. First off, I want to welcome Dave Stickland to the podcast. Dave, it's so awesome to have you on. Oh, thank you very much, Joe. We really appreciate the opportunity. I mean, we've been we've been with you guys for a while, and it's really been part and integral to our success with a lot of the brands that we've built out. Yeah. So, for those who aren't familiar with you and your brands, kind of kind of give us an overview on what you've done in the Amazon space, and walk us through like some of the businesses that you've worked on. Yeah. So we started in Amazon really early. Me and my, and my business partner, Talmore, he's the founder of the company. And we st- he had started a series of websites way back in the day, actually around the time of like dial-up modems, was selling other people's products on the internet. When we started working together, we were still arbitraging quite a few other people's products on Amazon. It was a great opportunity to get to move from just uh, website sales onto the Amazon platform. But it wasn't very long until we realized that we were also competing with the buy box with lots of weekend warriors who, you know, had a garage full of a product and were happy to make a dollar on that sale because, (laughs) you know, they were just using that money to go on vacation, you know, on the, you know, it was the vacation money. But for us, it was like an actual business. So (laughs) it became really clear that it was like, man, we got to, we got to start some brands. We need to, we need to put this mode around us. And we really know these, these niches that we've been selling and other people, we've been doing customer support for all these other people's products, but we can make these better. And so we started a series of brands. The biggest ended up being uh, Guardline, which we sold last year. Guardline was our outdoor security uh, motion alarm company. So it was like a long range doorbell for, uh, you know, driving up your property. It would ring maybe like, you know, a thousand feet, 2000 feet out to a quarter mile at the end of your property. And then it would chime in your home. So people with a lot of really loved having it gave them kind of a sense of when people were driving up to their to their home. So we really built that out and that kind of went in stages. At first it was just a huge splash because it was the first thing on the market uh, that was brand new. So it sure. got a lot of traction for people who were looking for a better solution than what was out there and we could certainly beat them on features. And then eventually what happened is because we were doing really well, we had a ton of direct from the factory competition kind of show up in our space. Sure. And that's when we had to get really serious about how we were going to differentiate ourselves from the competitors that were eating up kind of the bottom of a market share because they could sell it half the price. One of the things we did was really focus on how we were doing advertising to make sure that we stayed ahead of uh, those other brands. And what the big lift behind that advertising was, was really kind of doubling down on branding. Sure. That's so awesome. And so I'd love yeah, to so break this a, down. We had an exit on that. We had an exit on that brand last year. So we sold that and uh, then pivoted into our popcorn company. That That is so awesome. And so I want to dig into kind of each of the stages of the life cycle that you just went through. Because, I mean, you went from 
start to picking the product to building out the brand all the way through really growing that brand and then being able to exit now focus on another brand that you were building up too. Yeah. So maybe let's start at the beginning and kind of work our way through just because I want to get your full perspective on this from start to finish. And, and by the way too, it's cool. Like when I started selling on Amazon, I started on the retail arb side too, and it started more as a hobby and then kind of grew. And then I went into the private labeling and then, you know, instead of focusing on that, started really focusing on the advertising side, obviously on my side, because I knew that there were people out like they're out there, like you guys that are so good at building your brands. And while I was an okay seller, much better on the advertising side, which is why I made that pivot. But so walk me through, like, let's start at the very beginning. When you were developing Guardline and the products, like how did you end up picking the products? How did you find that niche? Like, Kind of walk me through the process on how you got going in, in that sector. Yeah, well, I mean, Guardline started, you know, Tal was selling a product that allowed you to pick up the phone and it alerted you when you had another call coming in while you were on the internet. Okay. And he and that was made by a local company in Washington State. He he built a website entirely around that product, which at the time was really high in demand. There were lots and lots of more people spending more time online and they were still using dial-up. Sure. I remember those days. Yeah. So once he he established that product, um, the people who were making that product were also making a outdoor driveway alarm. And so that was uh, the first step into that product. By the time I became involved, there were, you know, several companies, most of them were you know, older companies from the 80s. I mean, outdoor driveway alarms were reasonably old tech. I mean, they're using radio frequency technology to do sure. that. So, sure. I mean, they're things that have been around for a long time. But it wasn't until, like, we we did some market research that kind of, when we decided to start our own brand about, you know, what what do people really want here? And it was it was really obvious that there were lots of people who wanted this kind of product but weren't aware of that kind of product. Because if sure. you... Go to Home Depot, you go to Lowe's, you walk around the aisles, like, and you say, where are your, you know, outdoor alarms, then they're going to look at you with a blank face. And actually, the the only one that was sold in Home Depot was just, like, hiding on a shelf next to the garage doors, which, you know, like, so unless you were looking for it, you didn't. So one of the the ways eventually that, so so we, we took all the products that were there on the market, looked at all their features, figured out what we could do better than those people. And then we found a partner who was making products very similar to that that could help us build uh, the guard line. And then we took the guard line to market, and it was just about um, making sure that customers understood what the product did, having great material in the box, great walkthroughs, great videos, sure. being able to answer the phone when people called. A lot of our purchasers were you know, probably 50 and over in many of, you know, like the Southeast, Southwest region of the country and really wanted that personal touch. So we invested in, you know, tech support that was going to help you set up the product. And, you know, that kind of led to great reviews, which led to great sales and and, and it kind of catapulted from there. That's awesome. That's kind of how we started. Sure. Sure. And so as you're working to grow that business and grow the brand, you know, as you talked about, people were started seeing your success. And so they started developing knockoff products. And so how do you keep yourself differentiated 
especially on Amazon where it's so hard to do that in the long term? Like what, what's some of the keys that you implemented there? Yeah, well, I mean, it was clear that our competitors didn't understand the market the way we had. I mean, we had been spending years talking to our customers. So the first thing we did was we, we were really realistic about what the product could do because we wanted to make sure our customers kind of understood how the technology worked so they could make a, a better purchase decision and they realized that, you know, we were going to stand behind the product. So you built a lot of customer trust and simply creating more content than the other guy. Sure. But the other part of it was really doubling down on branding and really deciding, okay, so who are we now? And we brought in branding chief marketing officer, chief branding officer wizard, who really pushed us to say, you know, you guys need to be talking to the right people about the right things that, you know, like what people want here is peace of mind and we need to tailor all of our language to that. And, you know, like back in the day we had, you know, we had an ads guy for Amazon. We had ads people for Google. We had uh, Facebook creative happening and, and we had our own website. Uh, we had our sure. Amazon listings and there was no direct through line that connected all of those things with the same message, right? Sure, Cause you sure. were letting, you were letting the Facebook people make the best ads that they could to convert on Facebook, you were making, you were letting your Google people write whatever copy was going to convert on Google. And that, that works great to a certain place. But when your customer journey is nonlinear, which it is now where someone may watch a Facebook video and then they go over and type into Google and then maybe they could check out your website, but then they're Amazon prime members. So they want to buy over on Amazon. Like, if you're telling a different story at each stage of that, the <laughs> sure. customer is going, well, who are you? Yeah, right? Like, yep. I didn't know your product did that. Or what about that thing I read on the website that you didn't bring that copy over to Amazon? Sure. And bringing in our marketing person to say, this is what we say. You know, this is what we say here. This is what we say here. All our videos need to look like this. They need to be shot with this angle. They need to be you know, uh, all the, all the products need to line up in this specific way. Sure. All of your fonts need to be the same and they need to be the same sizing here, here, and here. What that does is that builds an under understood trust between, uh, you and your customer because they, they know who you are. So if they watch an influencer video on YouTube and they say some of the things that we have gone to great length, great lengths to make sure that they say, they're seeing that copy reflected on the website and sure. they're saying, and, and they're bringing that, that excitement that brought them to your website off the influencer video into their uh, customer journey when they're looking to purchase. And because so, you know, so many people end on Amazon, it was just really important that as much as we were trying to get our titles correct and our bullet points correct, that we stick the landing there at the bottom of the funnel and with you know, to make sure people got that last push of like, yep, still the same company, sure, still selling this, and we're going to back this up. It's just so. that consistent messaging through every single different channel where people can either first hear about you or all the way through that final, all right, order now button. So just that yes. consistent messaging throughout. Yeah, for yep. sure. I love it. I love it. And so as you were growing the business, 
Like, yeah. You know, when you brought in your person to help you with your marketing, like that, that's always a question I get for sellers who are really in the scale phase is like, how do you know when is the right time to hire? How do you approach that? How do you treat like growing out the team? Like what's been your approach as you've grown out these brands? Yeah, I, you know, in that situation, I think that we didn't have a choice, right? Like when you, when your entire market share is being eaten by a bunch of products that are selling, that are making grossly large claims about their product, sure. uh, and then, you know, like selling for half, you have two choices. You either, you either find some way to elevate or you, you scrap it and walk away because you, you know, you, you let it die at slow death sure. over time. And so in that, in that situation, it was necessary. But I think that going forward, what I learned from that is investing in deciding what your brand is and who you are allows you to better understand the space in the market that you are trying to occupy early. So, you know, I don't think having, I don't think it's a bad idea to have a consultation when it comes to branding, when it comes to looking at the competitive landscape and like really thinking about what is your competitor not saying? Sure. What 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 do your what does your customer want? Right. Like so, the research and brand ideation of that I think is critical from the you know the the development of your product stage. Sure. And then when you're ready to start spending money, let's say you've you're you're putting that product up, you want your advertising to like have like it's so much easier. Like if I, if I go back to the time before branding and the time after branding, yeah. it is so much easier to sit down with an ads partner after branding sure. and say, Hey, <laughs> here's this collateral book. Here's my brand. Here's my brand Bible. Yep. Here's all the fonts you can use. Here's the, here's the 50 things we know that in that, that people want to hear in the ads, you know, here's all of this. Like if I gave that, if I give that to my ads partner, uh, if I'm spending real dollars on advertising, they're going to get results a lot faster than if they have to figure that stuff out beforehand. So sure. if you're going into that meeting saying, I don't know, let's figure out what converts versus the person who comes in and says, this is what we're about. Sure. We know what customers want. Here's all this. Say that and put it in front of the right people. And we know we're going to we're going to be successful is puts us both in positions to be highly successful. Yeah. Yeah. And from our perspective, <laughs> it is highly appreciated. So you're hitting that right on the head. And you know, one other thing that I've been curious about too. So you've been gracious enough to allow us to join you in the journey on growing Guardline and optimizing for Franklin's popcorn and growing out that brand too. Like what's some key things that you look at when you're really looking to like develop partnerships um, in the space and find those people who are are going to help you grow your brands. Yeah, and and I mean that's been a journey as itself. As, as as we were growing Guardline, there was a separate journey that Tal and I were taking about growing what our business was, right? Sure. And I think that when I started and we sat down and said, you know, what what do you want to do? What is this business about? Like what what do we stand for? You know, like there was a conversation of well, what do you mean? We're here to make money. Like and and that's that that's definitely true. I mean, that is <laughs> that is why we get up in the morning and that's that's why we do the work we want to do. But it was also defining like that yes, but how do we want to make money? Like sure. we how 
what it what do we we could do anything we want starting you know right now like what are the kinds of 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 people what do we stand for when we bring people in the organization what do they you know what are they about so we went through the journey applying the traction eos system and one sure. of, one of the big parts of that is establishing what your core values are and that was a long journey for us i mean it was it was days of talking about what are we about? And so once we established what those core values that we stood for were, we took those and we not only applied those to internal hires, but we also applied those to our our partnerships, right? And sure. so when I work with someone like Advance or I work with a, you know, a designer, you know, if I'm investing any sort of time and uh, energy of my own into that relationship, I want to feel like I'm coming to work and enjoying what I do. And part of enjoying what I do is spending time with cool people who are doing really cool stuff at work. Sure. And, you know, it's just like when you, it's like when you were back in high school and they would put you in like a group project, it's like you want all of the aces in your group, the people that you feel like, you know, you can go to war with and make something great because that's how the project is going to get an A. Sure. In, in a sense, building a business and having to rely on experts outside of, your organization is picking people for the group projects. So, sure. you know, that, that, that has always been our number one way of measuring things. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not shy about bringing that up when we're, you know, trying to make decisions. Um, we can be meeting with a, uh, with a Facebook ads partner and I'll ask questions about, you know, that, that get to our core values in, in that discussion. It's, it's not just about the contract that's put in front of me. Sure. I love that. I love that. And I mean, here at AdAdvance, like when we're hiring internally, we are so big on our culture and our core values. You know, that is the key basis for our hire. Our, our approach is like you can teach technical skills, but trying to create or craft the right person, like it's so much, you just can't do it. And so you have to find those right people from the start. And I love how you're expanding that, not just even on your internal team, but on your partners that you're working with too. And it makes total sense because I, you know, I, I talked to Eric who's got to work with you and he gets so fired up when he's working with you guys. And I think it is because not only do like, you know, the financial side and the performance and everything is lining up well, but on a culture standpoint, I feel like we really jive and it makes it so fun to do that. And I love that perspective, that bigger picture perspective, not just the internal people on your team, but anybody that you work with, you want to make sure that you're going to fully line up. Yeah. And, and for an agency like you, Joe, I would assume that like, let's say, you know, Eric won the lottery tomorrow sure. and he was just like, peace out at advance. Like <laughs> I'm, you know, you know, my, my family and I are going to, you know, just spend a few years YOLOing around the yep. globe, right? <laughs> that whoever you assigned to me would be ultimately similar in a way because you are hiring in a way that brings the right kinds of people in your organization and you've decided what an ad advanced person is for sure. And so it's the, it's the same internally, like for a customer, just, uh, just for us as it would be for you as a client, like you want whoever picks up the phone, whoever emails, yeah. whoever deals with, you know, if I'm out for a day and you deal with my chief operating officer or, you know, my, you know, director of brand management, or, or any of these people that in a, in this hypothetical organization yeah. that you're having a consistent experience 
up and down the line so that, you know, it also prevents the ball from getting dropped. For sure. Um, you know, and, and, and that having core, not only just core values, but like a lot of transparency about what our goals are and what we are trying to accomplish allows us to communicate that to our partners as well. So we can say we want to work with people who who have these different skills and you can understand that my goal is by the end of this three year project to be at this level of revenue with all of my, with all of my brands and how can you help me get to this number based on where I am now? It just, I'm assuming it would help whoever I'm working with set up a little straighter and really I like come up with ideas that are tangible to getting me to my goal versus just, like I want these ads to convert and you know, like <laughs> yep. I'm, I'd be happy with a row as of whatever it is. Right? Yep. yep. I, I love the bigger perspective. Yep. yep. Cause we, we get all different aspects when we're talking to different potential clients and they, you know, those ones where we really develop that very long lasting long-term relationship where we directly feel like we're part of the team. It's when you bring those other aspects into, yep. Performance are key items that we need to achieve for this to continue to work but at the same time we want to feel like we're part of the team you know and that's our key goal we should be a member of your team if we are you're going to get so much more value out of the relationship too and that's what we love and if and if you know what my larger goal is you can make better recommendations for sure the recommendation may not be like you know we need to spend more on advertising the recommendation might be you should probably hit the accelerator on those 14 new ASINs that you wanted to roll out yeah. uh, over the next year because I'm starting to plateau and you need to give me a few things that I can put into the hopper here to reach a new target audience with this advertising. Yeah, And that is a, that's something that unless you understand my big picture, you know what I'm working on or you, uh, or I, if I haven't communicated that to you, you cannot give me that feedback, right? For sure. For sure. I love it. Yep. That context is so huge. So as you were growing up Guardline, like we'll focus on Guardline right now. And you, when did you decide was the right time to exit? And what did that process look like? How, how do you decide that like now is the time? I think that in some ways is a much better question for Tal. Sure. But like when we we came close to the exit, it was fundamentally like he could probably talk a little more about some of the ins and outs of that because of the financial side but what i can tell you is that we were both there at a place where we weren't happy working on that brand anymore as much as we were excited about working on franklin's and working on softy right like we had softy is our antibacterial wipe company but sure you know i i think that there was a feeling of excitement like we had, we had reached a point with Guardline sales where we had nailed it. We were, we were doing really well with our customers. Certainly, as COVID started, it was even more. People were spending more time at home. They were even more interested in this product. Sure. And once we saw that there was that interest, it allowed us to do a gut check and say, you know, do we, we could, we could keep going. We could build a, a new version of this product. And we were actually in the middle of doing that. Like sure. We were. We were you know, engineering a brand new thing and we could finish all of that. But like, is that going to make us happy? Like, uh, sure. and you know, I'm, I'm an older guy, like, you know, Joe, I've been through a lot of stuff in my <laughs> life and I realized at some point that like waking up every day and enjoying what I do is, is important to me. And I really believed in our popcorn brand. And so 
we both decided it was, you know, it was something where there was an opportunity that presented itself. We should really look at it and take it. And that opportunity came along and it allowed us to, to take that experience and really go from something that was about protection sure. and about peace of mind and sometimes fear sure. to talking about something like as and complicated when it comes to electronics and, yeah. and then move to a place where you're talking about the joy of making popcorn or you're talking about families laughing over a movie night and yeah. you get to connect that to your own feelings about going to the movies or whatever like like that like how could you not like want to also work on that brand and sure. i mean that was a big part of it for both of us that's awesome yeah and so you were kind of getting into it but i've always been curious too so we're going from guardline which is more like security products to like yeah popcorn so how, how did you end up making that shift to what kind of drove the the initial investment like let's get into popcorn what, what's the key things that you love about popcorn that really made you want to get into it yeah, I think, look, I mean, everybody has a, like a popcorn experience that they remember. Yeah. I mean, that could be a theater. It could be, you know, making it home. It could be, you know, um, one of those things that, you know, you come home from school with a snack that you had or you had a movie night. And your mom did popcorn on Friday nights or, you know, like whatever. So so there are and it's and it, it brings people together. So. You know, one of the things we do is we don't sell bagged popcorn. What we do is popcorn at home. So sure. you're making that popcorn on the stove. So the sizzle of the, you know, the kernels and the pop and like the, the sounds, like it's engaging you on a level that um, maybe opening up a bag doesn't always do or putting it in the microwave. And so like we wanted to give people a better product right now, you know, like a lot of our, our competitors just you know, are settling for whatever popcorn they can get. And just like, uh, you know, like there, there are opportunities to provide them something uh, like better sure. in the, in the market. And, and we've, uh, we've gotten some really good feedback about that. And we're feeling really good about the direction of Franklin. The real difference, I think the biggest jump off difference is with a outdoor electronic product that costs almost $200. That's yeah. like a one-time shot. Sure. This now is more of a relationship, right? Like, sure, so sure. when I have meetings about advertising, things like, you know, remarketing are really imp important mm -hmm. because people are buying often, right? Like we want them to buy popcorn as they need to, because they're going to eat it up and then they're going to, we hopefully want more, right? Like the, yeah. so, uh, you know, I pay a lot of attention to organic, you know, sales because i know that a lot of times those are people coming back especially on, on on amazon and and just working on making sure that we continue to offer new products to those people so they have new excuses to come by back by and any popcorn so lifetime value and average order value which didn't matter to me much like a year ago sure matters the more than anything else today sure and that's been one of the biggest shifts as far as the product difference yeah um, that's been, uh, pretty exciting. And also like with everything that's happening with supply chains, it's been nice to work with a product that's kind of primal, doesn't have a lot of parts. Sure. I'm not shipping it around all over the place. <laughs> Don't have to worry and, about a chip uh, shortage with uh, popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and you know, watching some of my friends deal with some of the things they're dealing with, like I'm, I'm happy to be, you know, working on this small, humble 
popcorn brand right now sure. um, while we're figuring out what we're going to do. How, how did yeah. that transition go from working like with Guardline, pretty big brand, and then yeah. kind of restarting again? How, how did that transition go? Yeah, you know, um, we had we had a lot of resources because we were doing, not, you know, we were doing really well. So when we, we walked away from Guardline and we were very excited and we high-fived each other, and I, we had our kickoff for Franklin's literally the night after the celebration dinner from Guardline. So That's we, awesome. We toasted the sale of Guardline and then <laughs> yeah. got up the next day and spent all day in a room working on Franklin. That is and, sweet. Uh, and there was a lot of from from Tal and I about like, look, we've we've hit all these roadblocks and we've come through all these obstacles. And some of that had to do with the school of hard knocks of growing a business. Sure. And you know what? We're not going to do that again. We're going we're gonna to focus on, you know, like these big picture, big swing opportunities, and we're only going to work with some of the, the best people. Sure. And, uh, you know, that, that really works when you're, you know, doing an eight-figure eight electronics company. Sure. When you're doing like a small popcorn brand, the runway of, of cash to do that kind of stuff <laughs> sure. is, is smaller. Yeah. And so... Um, what it's really, it was a humbling experience to say, no, we got to go back to where we are sure. and we can take the wisdom of what we've dealt with, but you know, like take, take the wisdom, but not some of the overhead. <laughs> yeah. We got to get back in the garage. Sure. Like, I, I can't hire the, uh, you know, I can't hire a, uh, a rocket scientist to come in and build this car. Like sure. I, I know enough about how to build a car now that I need to get in here and get greasy. And, uh, and that's what it's been. It's been, so we, we spent three months trying to do it the other way. Yeah. And then it was just like, we need to be operationally efficient and, uh, you know, working with, with good people who know how to do this lean while we were growing, like sure. right in the beginning, like I got to pull back, I got to focus on, you know, we had to raise prices a little bit in order to get the kind of margins we wanted. Sure. And, and we've just kind of been building ever since. And I think that it's been uh, one of those experiences that's given me a lot more appreciation for like laying the bricks of the foundation ahead of time. And I don't think that if we had been able to sustain what we were doing before, it would have felt as satisfying. It's just like when you build something at home like yeah. in your own garage and you put it out in the backyard and it's like, that's great. Yeah. But the difference being is that what I'm doing is laying the foundation for some of those really big things to come in later and really accelerate growth. Like we know how to spend that money now, which we didn't before. And it's just a matter of, of tweaking when we're going to do that. Like sure. when, when do we really kick it in high gear with advertising? When do we go to Google advertising to, you know, drive traffic? When do we, when do we, you know, we spend money on really good, website design you know like because that's important let's not be cheap there but then yeah. you know like let's also like i don't mind going into the back end of a of a web store and really thinking about what the copy is because like it's my product and it feels good sure sure i love it and for for you guys too i mean so as you you had your celebration dinner and then you and tell the next day are sitting down talking about the new brand that's coming so obviously things went good <laughs> and you two are working well together kind of yeah. you know like for for us matt and i are co-founders and we've worked together for quite a while now and things go great for us I, i'm curious like what well, what you feel like kind of your key things for success that you guys have seen working together yeah, I think, you know, when I started, and he was obviously far more advanced than I was. So, like, I 
I understand how entrepreneurs feel like this is my company. And so like really being willing to earn my way and to take the lumps sure. the same way an entrepreneur would and feel some of that risk has been part of the journey and just making sure that I'm, I'm listening. And then when, you know, in the beginning it was, uh, him creating an emotional safe place to, to hear me, right? Like sometimes when you, you, you know, you get two really strong personalities in a room, you know, two, two people believe they're right. We both put a ton of energy into making sure we always find alignment. So we sure. do, we have, a, we have disagreements, but we we're good at like really explaining what our reasoning is, sure. knowing that we both really want to win. And we have a high, we've built over 10 years, just a high level of trust in each other. Sure. And like, understanding that we both have the same end goal really helps us kind of stop hear the other person out and then when we make a decision you know we stick to it and we you know support each other in doing that in many ways it's it's the longest marriage i've ever had <laughs> you know and it is a is a place where we can throw around ideas without feeling like you're you know out on a limb on your own like you're supported on the you know like what about this you know what about this because you got to get a little crazy to find some of the edges that really are where you 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 really can make a splash sure and i and i think it's just a constant rhythm of conversation like not to go back too much to traction but like having Having a meeting every week where you're going to talk about specific things sure. that you've thought about ahead of time and knowing what you're trying to accomplish for the end of the year, having everything tailored back to that goal together, like it keeps you focused on the big things. It keeps you focused on, uh, on really hitting your goal and, and being in you know alignment on that. Sure. And when someone brings a wild idea to the table, you know, does it fit into this this format of what we know we want to set out to accomplish, or do we need to adjust, you know, adjust our our goal a little bit to a, like it just gives it a foundation to have conversation about where the business is going that I don't think we would have had before, and it's been uh, really helpful. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And we're going a little bit longer than we usually do, but I've just been loving this. So, final question for, for sure. you, like. You know, you're very active in just the overall e-commerce community and within professional groups and different things like that. Like, you know, we all have limited time. And so you're obviously finding value there. Kind of kind of walk us through what you're seeing being involved with these different groups and what you're getting out of it. Yeah. You know, to anybody who's in e-commerce or, or doing, you know, advertising, design, whatever, I think that, you know, you can do the, you can do that work on your own. Like you, maybe you've read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week and you're, you know, um, maximizing your lifestyle while you're, you know, trying to increase your cash flow. And I think that you can get a, a long way, um, from your home, you know, home computer, home office. But I think that when you are working in an environment like e-commerce, having, groups of other people who are also dealing with the same issues you're dealing with that are sharing interesting ideas and that you put time and energy into creating a safe space where there can be some transparency between businesses, sure. having really good cultivated communities uh, to be a part of that. That's the agreement going in has been huge. So, you know, for us, it's been e-commerce fuel, like Andrew Udarian has really cultivated a group of 
e-commerce DTC sellers and e-commerce sellers that are building great brands and they're sharing information, right? And like one of the things I look forward to most in my year is spending, you know, three days in some random city with those people just talking shop, right? Sure. Like it, it simulates uh, the office environment like 100x, sure. you know, and then having a forum or, you know, a chat or something going with people who you really, uh, who are doing the same work then builds the water cooler, right? Sure. Like, so, you know, I'm also in a, a group called Million Dollar Sellers. They're Amazon sellers and they're all sharing ideas all the time, but, but they're, you know, there are people that I feel like are at a computer right next to me sure. working on their businesses that stop and go, hey, Dave, like, what about this? Or I'm like, oh, man, I just got this notice from Amazon. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, you, and you start to, like, talk to people who have and can share really good, like, information, but also that are invested in your success in a lot of ways. Sure. Like, we're all trying to do well. Like, we all see this platform that can be cold and indifferent on some days. Sure. And then some days have like this, just like amazing opportunity. <laughs> and uh, it's just having people to ride that out with. I, I'm, I know there are people who are in those groups who have maybe gotten really low, felt like giving up on their business, felt like they couldn't get uh, a lot of traction with a group of ASINs, weren't getting the kinds of sales they wanted. For sure. And they talked to somebody in the group and they're like, we can do this. And so, I mean, businesses is, businesses are saved by building relationships with other sellers, you know, like that is what will keep you going long-term. And, and if you're in e-commerce in any way, I would highly recommend you continue to build out that network and those social relationships. Like I look forward every day to talking to those folks. For sure. For sure. And it, it's so awesome. Like the Amazon community as a whole, it's just this unique, engaging, open community. Like, I mean, even like on the podcast, I, I have a bunch of other agency owners that are, you know, in, in all honesty, like direct competitors, but we're really open with each other and we learn and we grow with each other too. And they, I, I don't know, for some reason, like when we go to conferences and everything, like the Amazon community as a whole, like I started as a seller. And so I learned through channels like that and other people sharing. And so I think a lot of people have been there and so just this community that personally i see that just loves to give back and is really open and growing and encourages yawn i don't know it's just it's a really fun space to work in overall yeah absolutely and there's a lot of transparency and uh, a lot of people really thinking about how they're going to give value to other people while they're also really hyper focused on you know building their dream sure. which in a lot of ways that's what people are doing like I feel like e-commerce and, and DTC is very personal for lots and lots of entrepreneurs because this is their dream and sure. this is their, you know, this is, this is what they're about. This is, they built this with their own bare hands. And I think that pivoting them to a place where, you know, you can share that burden with someone else who really understands, like, even if it's a, you know, a competitor of yours that you guys are on the, on the podcast chatting, like, yeah, yeah. But there's a there's an instant level of like I'm seeing that problem too. How did you get around it? Like, sure. like let's solve this problem together. And even though we're competing, like we're both just we're both helping the current clients we have by having this conversation. We're doing good work for everyone that relies on us, and yep. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dave, this has been so awesome. I mean, for people who like want to get in contact with you or check out like Franklin's popcorn, like where where should they go? 
Yeah, just franklinpopcorn.com, or you can always email me at Dave at franklinpopcorn. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for joining. This is awesome. And by the way, just thanks for letting us join you on the ride. Like, it, yeah, we have so much fun working with you guys. So awesome client, awesome brand, awesome team. Like, and it's been so fun to have you on the podcast. So thanks again, Dave. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me, Joe. And I just think that you guys do amazing work and have really, uh, I, you know, again, like, Wanting to have meetings that you look forward to. I look forward to my meetings with Eric and the Ad Advance team uh, when we have them. Yeah, that's been so awesome. All right. Thanks again, Dave. And for everybody who's listening to the Ad Project Podcast, thanks as always for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.